Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. If you want to open up your Bible again, uh, turn over to Psalm 150, 150. Just six verses for us this morning. But, you know, six verses in preacher time is like two and a half hours, so you're welcome. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God, I ask one more time that You would... Uh, Guide us through your word this morning, through your Holy Spirit. And uh, even though we can can pick out the meaning of a text just by reading the words, God, we need the help of your Holy Spirit to illuminate those, those words and that meaning so that it becomes real in our lives. God, we ask for your help in that this morning, and we will thank you for it. Amen. Well, like I said, we've gone through at least one psalm in all five books of the psalms, um, and today we're back into book number five, and roughly speaking, it does correspond to the book of Deuteronomy, um, worshiping God by obeying his law, and uh, you know, I just got to get this right out, right out front here at the very beginning, okay? Uh, 146, Psalm 146, through Psalm 150, uh, they're not all one psalm originally, but they're usually sung together. And they're sung together for a very important reason, because they all either begin or have in them this phrase, praise the Lord. And here's what's so amazing about this phrase, is that for those that call us, that call themselves a part of God's people, that claim Christ as our Savior, this is not a praise the Lord, everybody. (laughs) This is not a praise the Lord when you get the time. This is not a, um, you can go ahead and praise the Lord if you'd like to. This is a strong encouragement, some might even say a command, to praise the Lord. That's exactly where we are in book five, looking at God's law and worshiping God by obeying his law. What is one way that we can obey? In the context of these psalms here, it is to praise the Lord. Now, we talked about what psalms means, and psalms simply means praises. So what we're studying together is a book of praises. But 
If you're like me or if you're like you, you probably wonder sometimes, we use the words worship and we use the word praise, but what do these words actually mean? And and here's what praise can mean for us this morning, to celebrate something, right? Um, I didn't do a very good job on my wife's birthday this year, okay, next year, it's going to be totally different though, but what do we do? We, We give praise to that person, right? We celebrate them on their birthday. In a similar way, when we, when we come to worship the Lord, what is it to give praise? We are celebrating God. And as we're going to see in verse 1, we're celebrating, or in verse 2 rather, we are celebrating God for who He is, that is His character, and also what God does because of who He is. Now, a couple of phrases that we use here throughout our time together as a church at Mountain View Hermanus is what you believe determines your behavior. Okay? What you believe determines your behavior. And we can think about this in, in silly terms as well. Okay, So if I believe that uh, waking up at 5.30 in the morning is good for me, I'm not convinced that it is still yet, okay, Uh, then I'm going to get up at 5.30 in the morning, right? Uh, If I think that waking up at 7, which sounds a lot better to me, of course, everyone would be late for everything every day, then I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m., okay? What I believe determines my behavior. And the same is true when it comes to our concept or our, our idea of who God is. Another phrase that we use is that our doctrine... That is, our set of beliefs about God, who He is and what He has done, determines our devotion. That is, how we commit ourselves to God and what He calls us to do. And then I'm going to add one more on to that for the purposes of praise this morning. Our doctrine determines our devotion, and this is seen in our doxology, okay? I'm not very good with all these, uh, you know, words that begin with the same letter or sound alike, so this is as good as it is ever going to get, okay? Our doctrine determines our devotion, and that is seen in our doxology. What is our doxology? This is the way in which we organize our praise to the Lord. That sounds strange, that we would at least to some of our ears, because we've been so conditioned to think that praise must be something that just naturally flows out of us at any given time. It must be the overflow of what's happening. But as we've seen in the Psalms, it's not always the overflow of the way that we feel about God. We have seen Psalms of lament, where the psalmist has cried out to the Lord, He's cried out because he is desperate and he needs help. Not because he was just having such a good day and the right song came on the radio and he was just praising the Lord. Because he was being chased. He was like a deer panting for water. We saw psalms of anger where the psalmist is is saying, and I just can't get over it, right? Right? Ah, that person, let let his children be fatherless and his wife be a widow. 
And yet, how does the psalm end? It it ends in praise to the Lord. I guess it's not necessarily an uh, overflow of how we feel about God, but it's an overflow of all this emotion, right? Of, Of sadness and of joy and of anger. And the, psalm, the psalms have taught us how to deal with the overflow of these emotions. We take them right back to the Lord, and it ends in praise to the Lord. So even as we read and study through Psalm 150 this morning, I need us to remember that we hear praise and we think joy, and that's a good thing because it is a celebration And yet at the same time, when we hear the word praise, we should not forget these other psalms. These psalms of desperation, of lament, and of sadness. When we read praise the Lord, it's a command to that no matter what is going on, we will do just that. We will praise the Lord. So we see in this psalm then, verse 1, praise the Lord. God is to be praised. Where is he to be praised? Everywhere. In his sanctuary, praise the Lord. This morning, we are gathered in a place that's a school, sure, but for us, it is specifically set aside for us to come together on the Lord's day to give him praise, to celebrate who he is, and because of who he is, what he has done for us. But then also we see that we are to, or someone is to, praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Now, when we see this language, language and we saw in 148 and 149, this is all the angels. This is all the hosts, all the armies of the Lord are to praise him. But we also saw back in 148 verses 1 through 4 that it's more than just uh, what we think of as heaven, right? But it's the whole makeup of our sky. Everything is to praise the Lord. That the stars are to praise Him in 48, 148 verses 1 through 4. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest of heights and you waters above the heavens. Which, that's a unique idea, right? But we know this from uh, Genesis 1, right? That God separated the waters that were below from the waters that were above. And so, the, the psalmist here is just being very biblical, if you want to say it like that. He's using the same language that was given to us to describe how it is that God created the world. So here we see that We are to praise the Lord, that we are to praise the Lord in his sanctuary, but everywhere there should be praise to the Lord coming from. Okay, (laughs) there's no better way that I can say that. (laughs) Everywhere praise should be pouring out for God. I love it too because we could turn over to 
Luke 1.19, but when Jesus is making his triumphal entry, um, and, well, actually I have it right here. I'll read it. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, Jesus that is, I tell you that if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Later on, we're going to read that everything that has breath should praise the Lord. And Jesus says, everything is going to praise the Lord if we don't. In verse 2, we read this, praise him for his mighty deeds. Now, typically, if, if you were a Jew reading this, singing this, reciting this as you work, when you think of the mighty deeds of God, you're going to think of two things primarily. One of which is God's creation of the world and his making you in his image. There's another mighty deed that throughout the entirety of the Bible is repeated over and over and over again. And we studied in the book of Isaiah together um, kind of a redo of this mighty deed, and that is the Exodus, God leading his people out of Egypt. So when we think about the mighty deeds of God, we're thinking about creation, we're thinking about God relieving his people from slavery and giving them a land, right? And that's what the psalmist is talking about here. Praise him, for he has done mighty things. As God asked Job, could you have done all of this? Were you born while this was happening, right? And then also in verse 2, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So we see his mighty deeds, that is what he has done. But what is God's excellent greatness here? Well, the psalmist could have said his holiness. Or the psalmist could have said his righteousness. Or the psalmist could have said his love. Or the psalmist could have said any number of things. But he, he just says everything about God. Every single part of his character. I know that in the ladies' Bible study last term, you guys were looking at God's character and how God cannot be separated from himself, right? God is gracious and he is kind and he is a father and he is just and he is righteous and he is holy and he is all of these things all at the same time. One of these things does not fight against the other one of these things. Right? As a father, I unfortunately, um, I have this happen all the time, right? I can't balance uh, justice in my house and love all the time, right? When the kids are being naughty, I, I want justice, but I also want to show graciousness. And so what ends up happening is I, I usually am a little too just, and then later I have to apologize and then be more loving, right? <laughs> These attributes of me get separated. They can't always, I can't fit them together. And yet with God, these things cannot be separated. His excellent greatness. Interestingly, interestingly enough here in verse 2, though, I can't get over these two words, according to, according to. 
That doesn't seem like the most interesting phrase in this verse. It doesn't seem like the most important phrase in this verse. But throughout all of Scripture, we see these words, according to. Um, And what it usually relates to, what it almost always relates to, is a plan. That makes sense, right? We're doing things according to plan. God is doing things according to his character. God doesn't just have a plan. He has a plan that reflects his character. And that plan that reflects his character is shown in his mighty deeds. But again, just like in verse 1, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him because of his excellent greatness. These are imperatives. These are strong encouragements. These are commands to praise the Lord. Praise Him for who He is and for what He has done. Now, uh, you guys have all been traveling this this path. Uh, We've all been traveling this path together as a young church. Um, And for a long time, we had music, and then we had no music, and now we have music again, and I'm praising and thanking the Lord for that, right? Um, And yet here, we see quite a vast array of instruments that we could be using. Steve, I'm looking at you. I want you to take careful note of what's happening here. No, no. So we, we see these instruments. We see a trumpet. We see a lute, a harp, a tambourine. Strings, pipe, cymbals, loud clashing cymbals. Okay, Um, all of these instruments that the psalmist is bringing up here are all instruments that have a specific purpose for God's first people, Israel. Okay, usually it's for ceremonies, and uh, these are all important instruments, and so God. What's, what's basically happening here is the psalmist is saying, praise the Lord like you know that you should. Okay? Praise him. Praise him in the way that God has told you to praise him. Praise him with the means, the ways that God has given you to praise him. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't use trumpets, and this doesn't mean that uh, we don't use the harp or the tambourine, or we don't dance, or we don't use strings and pipes and all of these things. Percussion. It doesn't mean we don't use these things. However, it does just so happen that when we look at the Old Testament, we have uh, ceremonial law and we have moral law, Right? Uh, part of God's moral law, or what we, what we ought to do, uh, this includes us praising him, okay? But part of the ceremonial law is the using of these different instruments, and we see in the New Testament that we're not bound to these instruments anymore. Okay? We can use these instruments, but we can use whatever instruments and whatever skill sets and giftings that God puts before us. So we are to praise the Lord with our creativity. Um, now, we don't do a lot of dancing here at Mountain View, Hermanus. I'll have to get someone else to come up and lead the dancing. That's fine. Must we dance? 
It might be a good idea, okay? <laughs> might be a good idea. I, I'm probably not going to be the one to step out first and do it, okay? But here's the deal. What we see happening here, okay, every Sunday morning, I stand up here, someone else stands up here and uses a lot of words. I know that, okay? And sometimes between the reading of the text and the singing of the songs and the preaching of the word, and we're going over our, our doctrinal statement, our, our confession of faith, and there are a lot of words. And I go home on a Sunday, I'm not exhausted from praising the Lord, I'm exhausted from my jaw moving so much on a Sunday, right? And that's good, we, we need to use all of those words, because that's really the primary tool that God has given us to uh, express all of this to one another and to encourage one another. And yet, what we see happening in these instruments here is that there are some things that are too great for words. There are some things that overflow into instrumentation, into music through instruments, and into dance. And that is not a bad thing. In fact, what we see happening here is that variety in our worship and diversity in our worship is encouraged. It's encouraged. It's not discouraged. I have fun with my class in Swahitle, and I say, you know what, I would really love for you to come and visit our church some week, but I'll warn you, and uh, for, for all of our Zimbabwean brothers and sisters in the room, you know this, uh, we're, we're white, you know, we're, we're pretty white in the way that we act. I say that very generally speaking, okay, be gracious with me. Um, I don't have a lot of rhythm up there leading, no offense, Stephen Robin, right, okay? Um, we need help with that. And it's a good thing to have diversity. It's a good thing to have variety in our worship. And as our church grows and matures, uh, I think that this is desired of us. Also here, though, what we see, um, tambourine and dance are always put together in the text. I don't know, I don't know why that is. Maybe because it's an instrument that's easy to dance with, okay? Uh, but usually what this is, it, it is an organized thing. Uh, it was, um, I can't think of the word right now, but synchronized, okay? It was planned. So just like the rest of the service was, for us, is planned, so it was in this day with the psalmist. The texts were planned, and the music was planned, and the dancing was planned. Does this take away from the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and in our praise? No. Brothers and sisters, if I'm not spending the time to put together a good sermon, which I can't say that's what I always do, but if I'm not putting the time into it and at least trying, what good have I done to any of us? None. I'm an unprepared servant of the Lord, and all of us should come prepared to worship and to praise and to learn and to grow and to encourage one another. Then in verse 6, we see this. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We see quite literally that everything should be praising the Lord. That is that you and I, breathing in this room today, should be praising the Lord. 
That means that our babies in the back and our children off to the side, breathing, should be praising the Lord. Now, breath here, it is usually talked about as far as that God puts breath into us to give us life. But this word for breath isn't actually just talking about God making us in his image, giving us his breath. So, strangely enough, this includes all of creation that breathes. Everything that is moving and living and has a beating heart and takes in air some way or another should be praising the Lord. Uh, We're going to do what's within our control here this morning, and we're going to praise the Lord with our breath. And then at the end of verse 6, once again, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Literally, if you are breathing or you are moving or your heart is beating, it is required of you to praise the Lord. It is commanded of you to praise the Lord. Now, For those of us in this room today that know Christ as our Savior, this means that we have been made new by God. We have been born again. It is expected that everyone everywhere that is breathing should praise the Lord. But for those of us that have been made new by God the Holy Spirit, we especially have no excuse to not be praising the Lord. So as we look at Psalm 150 here, this is our our doxology for today. This is how the organization of our worship ends. We saw in Psalm 1, us walking the, the ways in which the Lord wants us to walk living in a way that God desires us to live, and being led by God down a path towards salvation. And at the end of that path, what do we see? Praise the Lord. Throughout the entirety of this book of praises, this book of psalms, there is one thing overall that we should take away, and that is that we are to praise the Lord. And we're going to do that as we see. uh, We're not going to take the time to read them all, though we did read three of them. Psalm 146 to 150 especially. We're praising, we're doing all this praise for one reason. That is for God's glory to be made known to the world. That is that we can make God's goodness and his greatness known to the whole world. C.S. Lewis, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just really butcher a C.S. Lewis quote here, okay? Because frankly, uh, every time I sit down to read C.S. Lewis, as much as I love it, I fall asleep, okay? Uh, he's just got, uh, no, Peter, you know what I'm talking about. He's got that British uh, eloquent lingual charm about him that just puts me right to sleep. Uh, <laughs> and um, 
to strongly paraphrase C.S. Lewis, he says this, We are happy to celebrate, that is to praise, what we enjoy because celebrating completes the enjoyment. So I use the example of a birthday. Um, look, what's, what's the best part about a birthday, right? I don't know about you, but for me, there's all this tension. Like, should I sing in the morning? Should I sing at night? Should I sing when the cake comes out, right? Okay, so there's this tension. And our kids, luckily, they just love singing it all the time. I mean, they sing it when it's no one's birthday at all. And so they sing it when everyone wakes up, and then they sing it at lunchtime, and then they sing it in the evening when the cake comes out, okay? But for me... Right, A birthday, the, the crowning moment is when that cake comes out and there's a candle lit on top of it and we get to all sing together. Okay, In that same way, uh, we are happy to celebrate because celebrating completes the enjoyment of the celebration. The celebration is the way God made things to be completed. So as we think about the Lord... Our completion, though it never ends, our, the way that we finish thinking about the Lord is not, mm, yeah, that was a good thought. It's that we praise Him. It's that we praise Him. Christian, when you think about God's mighty deeds in your life, when you think about His excellent greatness, what do you think about? I'll give you some ideas about what we should be thinking about. How we complete that celebration. When we're thinking about God, as we should be doing, all the time, often, continually, here's some things that we can be thinking about. We believe that there is one true God who is beyond what our words can describe. We believe that He created us And every heartbeat and breath comes from him. We believe he created us holy, happy, and blessed. And yet we ran from him and his blessings. We turned against God and sinned and sinned against him. We sin because we are sinners. We're not sinners because we sin, right? We sin because we're sinners. We believe that God took it upon himself to show us grace and mercy and to save us. That our salvation is completely a gracious work of God. It has nothing to do with who we are or what we have done. We believe that Jesus took our sin upon himself and gave us his righteousness. That he covered over our sin with his blood. That He was raised from the dead by the Spirit through God's glory and in that He defeated death so that we know that we can have life. We believe that Jesus justified us, that He made us right in God's eyes and that we now have the promise of every blessing, every good gift that God desires to give to us. We believe that God has made us new through His Holy Spirit and that He guides us in daily experiencing the newness of that new life differently. And we believe that one day, God will complete his recreation of us and this world when Jesus returns, and that we will forever experience the joy of celebrating God for who he is and what he has done. 
These are the mighty deeds of our God. In that we see his faithfulness and his steadfastness. I believe it was in the psalm that Moraine read, but my translation says his peoples. Um, I believe that your translation said his saints, which I like it better. Um, More literally, if we were to look at it in the Hebrew, it would say those who know God's loving kindness. Right? We've learned this word over and over again because it's so important. His chesed. His never giving up, never ending, always and forever love. If we know all of this about who God is, if we know that these are his great deeds, if we know that it is his character and his steadfast love and his righteousness that has brought us to this point, then we praise the Lord. In that, though, too, we see one more thing that we talked about when we studied through Isaiah together, and that is the Exodus, right? Jews reading this, singing this, would have thought about God bringing them safely out of Egypt into a land that he has made for them, creating a people for himself that are to be under his rule and under his authority, receiving all of his blessings. But we see here, and this is uh, just from a theologian, the Psalms end with praise. For God will free his people through a Davidic king. The new exodus will become a reality and Israel will be forgiven for their sins. And we talked about this idea of a new exodus that Isaiah talks about, that Jeremiah talks about, that's woven throughout the Old Testament. The completion of that first exodus in a lot of ways. Knowing that one day God, as we said, would complete his recreation of us in this world. And that we would experience him forever, fully, and have the joy of celebrating God for who he is and what he has done for us. So church, praise the Lord. It's not an option. It's not for when you feel like it. If you know all of those things to be true, it's a command given to you by God to praise him, to celebrate him. Whether in joy or in sadness or lament or pain or anger, praise him, celebrate him. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. We thank you for our time together here this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. And sometimes when we're studying, uh, it seems thick. It seems like we're having to chop through a bunch of things in order to get to where we need to be. But here in Psalm 150, Lord, it's plain. We are to praise you. God, we desire to celebrate you. Lord, as our little church grows, as our little church grows, grows in diversity, not just in the way that we look, but in the giftings that you bless us with. God, I pray that we will praise you more and more. That we will find new ways of praising you that uh, go along with what we see in your word and not against it. God, above all, we thank you for your love this morning. 
we thank you for your steadfast love, your stubborn love, your always and forever, never giving up love for us. That we can be called your people, your saints, those that have experienced that love. God, I pray for each of us as we uh, go into our weeks, as we come here to work alongside one another at the leadership camp, that we will be mindful of the fact that there are those that have heard your name that don't actually know about your steadfast love, specifically in the way that you have shown it to us through your son, Jesus. And Lord, keep us mindful of the fact that there are some that amazingly still have not heard of your steadfast love through your son, Jesus. God, give us the the clarity and the courage that we need to share that good news of Jesus Christ's atoning death on the cross for our sins and his rising from the dead, defeating death so that we know we can live and live more fully to your glory, praising you, celebrating you with our every breath. But God, we are also thankful and mindful of the fact that this week we probably won't do that perfectly. And that even in that, you have provided for us. That your son's blood continually covers over that sin. And instead, when you see us, you see see us wearing your son's righteous robe. God, we thank you for that, and we do celebrate you for that. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.